Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Data, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm really excited for the guests that I have on today. We're going to talk about a lot of uh, deep uh, emotions and and relationships with our parents. Uh, he and I are going to get into that conversation, especially his with his dad. But we're going to talk about his book and all this stuff. I, I'm really excited for this guy because he is he's really genuine and he's a runner like me. So uh, I'm excited to kind of dive into his history and all that, but I'm, I'm pleased to welcome my good friend, Travis Macy to dad up. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Brian. Thanks, man. It's awesome to be here. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to some of your podcast episodes and uh, just honored to share this time with you and your audience. Thank you very much for that, man. I, I, I was looking forward to this and, you know, just kind of doing my, my own little research on you. Um, just seeing, you know, oh my gosh, he's into running. He's been an ultra marathoner and all this stuff. I mean, it, I'm just, uh, I'm like, every time I meet another runner, it's like, it's weird that runners have like their own little community, right? You know, mm -hmm. I see runners out on the street. We always wave and all that stuff. Uh, but I just get giddy when I, when I talk to another runner. So I'm excited to dive in, but for my listeners who may not know who you are, a little bit of backstory about you, kind of how you grew up, um, the things that you've been doing, what you're doing now. And then yep. obviously this is a dad podcast. So I want to talk about your kids and also your relationship with your parents. Yeah. Well, um, I'm a father of two. Uh, Wyatt is 12, Lila's 10, uh, husband to my wonderful wife, Amy. And uh, when I'm not, uh, you know, spending time with with my family and doing the day-to-day -day of uh, driving around, going to sit, we're at the soccer phase of life. A lot of your <laughs> listeners may know that. Uh, this uh, I grew up playing soccer and I love it. I'm a huge fan of team sports. Uh, and I'm also realizing it, it can uh, it can kind of take over your life, but uh, but it's all good, you know. I love I, I love I like the windshield time. I like watching my kids uh, play, and I, I like the community uh, as well. So um, anyway, on the on the work side, uh, I'm an athlete, author, speaker, coach, and podcaster. Uh, I live in a small town called Salida, Colorado. Uh, that's a fairly rural town in the in the mountains here in the Arkansas Valley in uh, Colorado. Um, awesome place. Uh, I, I try not to tell people about it because um, it's kind of a little <laughs> a little slice of of heaven. Uh, and uh, I've kind of I've kind of been a Colorado uh, mountain boy um, my whole life. I, I grew up in a different small town called Evergreen. Uh, at, at that time as a kid and teenager, uh, watch my dad doing, like you mentioned, ultra runs and also adventure races and snowshoe races, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I grew up playing, uh, team sports, soccer, basketball, baseball, um, but kind of gravitated towards running, realized I was, I was better at running, uh, than, than I was at the, at the other sports. And, um, you know, had, uh, watched my dad do that stuff as a kid left to left to market me, you know, when I was five years old, I went to the Leadville 100 for the first time and, and saw Ken Kluber, the legendary cowboy, uh, minor race director, you know, he's up there and he's, he's saying things like, uh, you're better than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can. He's talking about grits guts and determination that stuff stuck with me um even as a little kid and i kind of knew 
from the start at some point i'm i'm going to explore this this ultra running stuff this adventure racing stuff uh you know long distance mountain bike racing ski mountaineering snowshoeing uh pack burrow racing um you know these kind of these fun fringe sports and uh lo and behold you know it's ended up taking me around the world and a lot of great experiences for me and my family uh with with teammates with friends and a lot of them um with uh with my dad as well who who uh you know in addition to his career as an attorney and his very involved uh life as as a father um he he stayed doing that stuff as well so it's been a a cool thing for us to to share together over the years Oh man, that's awesome. So you have been all over the place running. Uh, let me ask you this. What, how young were you when you completed your first, let's just say marathon? Uh, the first, uh, you know, I've only done one road marathon actually. And that oh, was, really? uh, right after I graduated high school, I did the steamboat marathon and, um, who knows, maybe I'll do more. I kind of, my dad did the Ironman in, in 1986 and, uh, he and I were really lucky to interview, um, triathlon legend, Mark Allen for, for our podcast. Uh, so I've, I've kind of always thought maybe I'll do the Ironman sometime, but you know, honestly, I don't really like running on pavement. I'm lucky to live in the mountains and there's great trails and, and off trails, you know, ridge lines and drainages, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, I just, I don't get on the roads, uh, very much. So yeah, I, I did that when I was 18 and then, um, maybe the next summer, uh, I, I paced and pacing means like in, in the ultra world, especially hundred mile runs often later in the race, uh, the racer can have, uh, you know, a friend kind of come along and, you know, talk and, get, uh, keep the pace or just help the person think clearly, make sure they eat and drink and, you know, change clothes when they need to all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was able to, to do 50 miles at the Leadville 100, uh, with my uncle, Eric Pence, when I was, I was probably 19 then, uh, mm. I guess. And then, and then, you know, kind of from there, I pretty quickly got into 24 hour adventure racing, multi-day adventure racing, you know, 24 hour mountain bike racing, mountain bike stage racing, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. All right. I got another question for you and then we're going to dive into all this other stuff, but I got to get this, these running questions out of the way because I, I'm just, yeah. uh, like Go I said, ahead, I'm man. giddy at this. Yeah. Um, farthest distance you've run. I know we talked off air. We talked about our good, fr our good friend, uh, Dean Carnazes and, and the, the insane mileage that he has ran, but yep. how far have you run at one maybe race? Well, so these, um, I've done a lot of adventure racing. And for those who don't know, that's typically a, a co-ed team of four people. You're trekking, mountain biking, paddling, mm. navigating, uh, you know, sailing, <laughs> riding horses, all kinds of weird stuff. I think the distance wise, the longest race we've done for that was, was they, they said it was a thousand kilometers. So that's about you know, 600 miles. And I don't know how much of that would have been on foot, you know, maybe 200 or, or something like that, you know, some of the running stage races, um, you know, I think came out to maybe 250 or 300 kilometers over the course of four or five days. Um, but, but for me, the longest, you know, just for a simple running race, it, it would have been a uh, hundred miles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and people run farther. The 200 mile races are becoming more and more popular. For most people, that becomes a lot more of a multi-day trek kind of thing than, you know, a simple straightforward run. Um, but you know, I, I mean, a hundred miles is a long way to run. That's, uh, I've never talked to anyone who finished running a hundred miles and felt like doing more. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard Dean in some of his stories and he's talked about, you know, going to these, uh, 50 mile races or these hundred mile races. And he, he's talked about one, one race that he went to in particular, it was like, it was like 50 miles away from his house. And so he decided to run there and then ran the 50 mile race and then ran home. Yeah. So I'm just like, it just, it, it boggles my mind that, you know, I've completed marathons, that's fine. But going, you know, another, you know, marathon doing 50 miles is yeah. just, it, it's a lot and it's a lot on your body too. And the, and the yeah. amount of training that you have to do, the nourishment that your body needs, all those things are, are critical in, you know, being able to accomplish such, such a task. So I uh, applaud you and the stuff that you've done. Yeah, and I want to get man. into a little bit more of it because 
You have two kids. Are they, are they runners? My, I mean, you talk about soccer. My, I have two boys, 24 and 21. Yep. And uh, they ran, when I would go and run marathons or maybe a 10 K or something like that, they'd always have these little kid races where they're, where they're like one mile or two miles. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So my boys have done that when they were younger, when they got into their teenage years, they had no interest in doing it anymore. And they grew up, they love playing basketball. Uh, that's kind of their sport. So, um, they, that, that was, that was what they gravitated to. So how about your kids? Are they into running? Uh, you know, a bit, I'm, I'm a big fan of kids having fun and kids doing a lot of different stuff as long as they can, whether that's multiple sports or, you know, maybe some official sports or some things unofficial around here, you know, all the kids like skiing. So I, I try to take them skiing as much as they can. And, uh, same thing with mountain biking, you know, I mean, we have awesome dry trails that you can ride year round. So I, I try to encourage that interest, but also let them, uh, lead the way. So they've, they've definitely done, you know, running races, five K's, 10 K's. Uh, they, they have actually father's day weekend. We have this awesome festival here in Salida called Fibark. And, uh, and it's got this race called the Tenderfoot Hill Climb. I'm looking out my window here, Brian, I can see Tenderfoot Mountain. It's, it's about a, a 500 vertical foot gain. So, you know, that's not a huge mountain, but it's a, it's a mountain and it's steep and it's rocky. And, uh, they have this race that starts on main street and you're run like a quarter mile down main street and then go straight up and down this mountain, uh, off trail, choose, choose your own route, choose your own adventure. And, uh, in the winners, man, are, are doing this thing. It's, it's, a, it comes out to about a mile, but you got 500 feet of gain, 500 feet of loss. The winners are doing this thing in, in under 10 minutes, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but what's awesome here in Salida is, is a lot of the kids do it. So the whole front row oh, cool. uh, of athletes in this race are, are kids and all the boys have shirts off and, you know, the girls are just wearing their sports bras and man, they're, they're out for blood. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, my kids have done that. You know, they've, they've done five K's and 10 K's on the trail. They've, they've paced, you know, uh, me or my dad and aunts, uncles, whatever at, at races. So, um, you know, they, they kind of like it, but I figure if, if they get into it sometime, if they want to run you know in high school or whatever they can and and if not uh the good thing about you know sports like running and cycling you can get into it anytime it's it's pretty hard to pick up like you said soccer or basketball you know if you're a junior in high school and you say i want to start playing basketball well if you, if you haven't played you know with the folks your age for the last five years there's no way you can make that jump but you can with with running yeah uh and running is you know, it can be an expensive sport, but it doesn't have to be for, yeah. for somebody that's, you know, maybe just an average dad or mom that wants to get out and exercise, get yourself a nice pair of shoes, supported shoes, uh, you know, maybe 150, 200 bucks yep. and they can last you, you know, three, 400 miles and just get outside and, and, and run. Uh, so yep. it's, it's fairly inexpensive, but um, I'll tell you a funny story real fast. Everybody's like, I thought this was a dad podcast and we're talking about running, um, <laughs> yep. but honestly, this was related to being a dad. I had, uh, there's a race here called the, the Mount Baldy run mm. and it's an eight mile run and it's up a mountain and the mountain is a 10 foot, 10,000 10, feet elevation. So yeah. when you get to the top, you're at 10,000 feet and it's like, it's four miles up. And then four miles, I mean, excuse me, eight miles up and then you got to go eight miles back down. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a long trek, but <clears throat> it is, uh, you have to do it. I think the cutoff is you got to get to the top in three hours. And I did it with my younger son, my older son at yeah. the time. I think he was about 11, maybe 12. And he and I did it and we got in at like two hours and 48 minutes or something like that. Yeah, we made yeah. it. But I, when we got to the top, you know, we had somebody take a picture of us and all this stuff and you're standing there. And I met this older guy there and he was in his seventies and mm. he was already up there. He had beat us already up there. He's in his seventies doing it. And uh, so we got a picture with him and stuff. So it was really cool, but it was a great father son moment for us to be able to do that. And it was treacherous, boy. Let me tell you, they had Ridgeback trails all the way up. Just, just the zigzag trail. I mean, it was just insane and it was yeah. steep. Yeah. Uh, and my son said he will never do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you guys, Brian. And and I tell you what, you know, my opinion, as far as how does endurance running connect to fatherhood, um, I think there's a huge value in kids 
seeing their parents and seeing other adults, whether it's moms or dads, grandmas, grandfathers, you know, anyone um, doing hard things and doing things that involve uncertainty, you know, basically towing the line and, and, uh, and throwing it out there. And, you know, maybe you're a dad, you're listening to this, you know, whether you finish the race, whether you win it, whether you finish last, whether you don't finish, having your kids see you do all those things and having them see you put in the process, the, the training, the preparation, the dedication, that's, that's huge. And, and again, it doesn't matter if, if your kid, you know, likes running or doesn't like running. It's just that they, they see you, um, going through that. I I think there's a huge, uh, just a huge value. Yeah, absolutely. My, my boys, when I trained for my first marathon, I hired a running coach. I got part of a running group and uh, we trained for it as a running group. My kids saw me, you know, getting up early in the morning to go on these, on these training runs. Uh, and when I completed my first marathon, it was the long beach marathon here in California. And when I completed it, uh, my wife and two boys were there. They're holding up the signs that my sons made, you know, watching me cross the finish line. It's just a great feeling to have my family witness me and, and see me do those things. And like you said, it's a, it's a, it's lessons for your kids that they pick up on. Uh, yeah. You put your body through this, you know, this, I guess you could say torture, but it, you put your body through all this work uh, to accomplish something that you want to accomplish and to have your kids witness that is just a great lesson for them. So uh, that's awesome. Okay. We're, we're sort of done with running sort of <laughs> yeah. All right. because, because I do want to talk about, you know, your relationship with your dad mm-hmm. and the struggles that he's going through right now. Yeah. Um, you guys have, and I, I know I'm going to mess this up, but you guys together completed, uh, what was the name of that race that you guys completed again? Cause it's, it's kind of a long race, the eco, the world. Yeah. So we're relatively recently. I mean, I guess it's the race happened in 2019. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, people may have heard, uh, go to Amazon prime, uh, world's toughest race, eco challenge, Fiji, uh, is yeah. the race that we uh, that we did together? Uh, we we competed in it. I won't give away the uh, the ending in case people haven't seen it. Watch it on there. We we have a book coming out called The Mile at a Time where we kind of uh, talk about it. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in addition to just a great father son relationship as far as being you know friends and adventure companions and you know d- dad. Uh, you know, for my whole life was kind of the person I went to for, for advice, you know, whether, whether that's financial advice, career advice, you know, just mentorship. He, he is, he was, and and he is even now um, he, he has Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed in, in 2018. So our communications and our roles are different. Uh, But I tell you what, Brian, he very much still continues to teach me, um, through through example you know by showing me that it's never too late to help other people um it's it's never too late to to continue living fully even as that changes and looks a lot different maybe than it did 10 years ago or five years ago or or even two months ago but to continue to find happiness and and make the most of things um you know he continues to show me that and and my mom as well you know she's the um, she's the primary caretaker at, at this point as dad's Alzheimer's advances. And, um, they, uh, yeah, they, they inspire me, man. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the race itself, and then we'll get into more of the impact, uh, that Alzheimer's is having on not only him, but you guys uh, and your kids for that matter. Yeah. Uh, But the race, how, what does it entail? Can you give us a little bit of a, uh, kind of a synopsis? Yeah. So adventure racing in a nutshell, again, you're, you're looking at a nonstop race, you know, in this case, probably something like five to 10 days round the clock racing, uh, you're trekking, you're mountain biking, you're paddling, uh, stand up paddleboard, sailing, uh, the, the Thamakau, this, uh, this traditional Fijian outrigger sailing boat. This is like literally the same boat that people colonized islands in the Pacific ocean with, uh, you know, thousands of years ago. And, and here we are, you know, four people from Colorado on this thing, trying to figure out how to do it. Um, and, and then you're also, you're navigating with map and compass. So, you know, you no GPS watch, no cell phone, no, no, no tech, uh, which, wow. which is a huge part of the race and makes it 
really fun and, and dynamic uh, on, on an unknown course. You know, the course is not marked. You don't, you know, you go do your marathon or your triathlon or whatever, like, you know, the distance in the course ahead of time you know, we roughly knew what sports we were going to do, but you don't know the distance. You don't know the order. You don't know anything. And, and in fact, when the gun goes off at the start of the race, you don't even know the whole course. You've gotten the maps for maybe the first fifth of the course, and you got to make it through that to a, a cutoff time, you know, for that first section of the course. And if you make that, then they give you the next maps and you get to keep going. So, um, whereas in the past, you know, my, my teammates and I may have been racing for, for the podium or, you know, trying to be competitive, you know, this time we're fighting the cutoffs, man. And and we're back with a lot of, many of the teams in the race are, are fighting these cutoffs and, and it's cool. It's a, it's a, it's just as competitive back there, you know, trying to, trying to survive and make it through. Um, and it was, it was quite dynamic with, you know, we, we had a team of, of four, uh, plus this unknown fifth teammate called Alzheimer's and, you know, honestly, Brian, we, we had no idea what the hell was going to happen out there. We knew that there would be challenges. We knew there would be disorientation. We knew that, uh, dad's, you know, visual spatial, um, limitations would make it especially hard at night, uh, for, for him to, to see, you know, whether you're running or biking with a headlamp and just, you know, moving, continuing to move forward. So, um, we were up against a lot, but we also, we approached it with an open mind and, and we focused on having fun and trying to stay ahead of the cutoffs. Uh, we focused on sleeping, you know, a lot of teams, if people have seen this kind of stuff on TV, whether it's this race or the eco challenge back in the nineties and early two thousands, sleep deprivation is, is a huge mm-hmm. challenge. And we realized like, man, we got, we got to sleep, you know, six, seven, eight hours every night. We need to stop and find a, a good dry, warm place, which usually was, was the house of rural Fijians who are the most, uh, you know, generous and enthusiastic people I've ever met. And, uh, you know, we just, we kind of took it as, as I said, a a mile at a time, you know, figuring things out as we went. Oh, that's cool. So a mile at a time, that book's going to come out, uh, when this show airs, that book will come out in a a couple days. Uh, so make sure you guys are picking up that book because I've already pre-ordered it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to diving into it. Uh, but were there times during that race? Um, cause we're talking about, uh, our parents going through, um, what you has said, your dad's going through Alzheimer's. Yeah. Were, were, was there a moment in that race? Maybe there were multiple, maybe there were none. I don't know. That's what I'm asking you for. Was there a moment in that race that you said, okay, we're, we're probably not going to be able to finish, uh, because this is happening right now. Um, was there any, any time in that race that, that, that occurred because of, because of the disease? There, there were many moments of uncertainty where, you know, more or less, I thought to myself like this, you know, this, this could be, this could be it. Um, and, and I, I lay those out in the, in the book. I, um, this Alzheimer's thing, Brian, it is for, it's, it's been probably the hardest and the saddest thing I've ever gone through. It's also forced more growth, mm-hmm. uh, than anything else. And, you know, here I was going along mid thirties, you know, got a job, house, kids, whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm an adult. Right. And and then all of a sudden here, this comes dad 64 and he's diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's. And I, I realized within a few months, I've got to grow up and be a true adult. Like I never have been uh, before. And as, as it turned out during that race, it, you know, for me, it kind of became a rite of passage whereby I was able to become more comfortable with, uh, like I said, a, a different role. You know, you've spent your whole life with with your dad. You've established these these roles, right? These father son roles, which are which are great. Everyone needs a father, and uh, you know, it's 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 been you know one of the best relationships in my life. But I, I realized I've I've got to um, you know act differently and be ready more to to take the lead. And and I think it also helped dad realize. Uh, how can you be a grown man and accept help? Um, and that's a hard step for, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, And I tell you what, man, he's, he's taken on that role and grown into it. And, and it's been amazing. So yeah, we, we definitely had a few moments. I mean, I, I talk in the book about one night where, dad became extremely disoriented and didn't know where we were, what we were doing. Um, you know, they say he's, he's, he's a laid back, fun, easygoing, laughing guy. 
and and this anger came up you know mm-hmm. based on you know wh- where the hell are we what's going on you know uh and in in fear as as well and and i realized you know that that particular night brian it was like all right you know either we go to sleep now and the brain resets and uh and things are good or at least better in the morning or or we're done you know like there's we're, we're out here for for fun and you know the journey and all that and and if it's creating a, a situation where someone is scared and disoriented and not having fun anymore than than we're we're done so mm-hmm. uh thankfully more we we fell asleep we we crawled into this this uh schoolhouse out there in the middle of nowhere in the mountains in fiji and we laid down uh you know this this brick building it, it had that orange carpet you know that they put on in gyms like our elementary school gyms when we were kids it had that same carpet man it's all over the world it's that stuff on top of concrete and and we lay down there, you know, with with our heads uh, on top of our life jackets, and and uh, you know, I was holding Dad's hand to to mm-hmm. you know give him that love, and also uh, I knew I was going to fall asleep, and I, you know, okay, it's not going to be good here if Dad wakes up and you know wanders away and doesn't know where he is. So we fell asleep holding hands, and man, we woke up six hours later and things were better. <laughs> he That's knew awesome. where we were. He knew what was going on. He wasn't mad at me for not paying the entry fee for the race and, you know, all this other crazy shit and off we went. <laughs> That's fair. That's cool. Well, I'm glad that that, uh, you know, I'm glad that that worked out for you. Um, I want to, I want to kind of uh, shift gears a little bit. Um, not so much about the race, but more about you know, you've talked about your relationship with your dad and how, how, what a great relationship you guys have had. Um, the impact of Alzheimer's uh, and the, I guess you could say the downward slide in, in which your dad's going through right now, uh, where it's progressing. Um, what kind of an impact has that had on your kids? Because they're close to their grandparents. And yeah. uh, I can imagine that there's, there's probably been some confusion on their part as well um, to experience this for maybe parents that are experiencing this themselves. Um, what, what impact or what advice can you give to parents uh, that may be going through something similar with their own kids and having to talk to them and, and reassure them? Yeah. Brian, that's a good question, man. It's, you know, one of the most dynamic things I've ever faced. And, and I tell you what, at the, at the start, you know, maybe the first, and and I think this may be a fairly common experience for the child of someone who's, who's diagnosed, you know, with cognitive decline or Alzheimer's or, you know, it's something that a diagnosis that you don't want to get those, those first months were the hardest for me and, and my own anxiety, depression, panic attacks, you know, were, were so significant that, that literally it took me months, Brian, before I could talk to my kids about Alzheimer's, you know, I, without completely losing it. And, and and it's, I mean, I'm fine with my kids seeing me cry and show emotion. You know, I think that's all totally fine, but, but, you know, lose it to the point where, you know, they would have been scared or uncertain or, or whatever. And, and, you know, at that time, I mean, let's see, they were, they were five and seven. So they were, you know, they, they were still young kids and, and there's, you know, now at 10 and 12, they're still kids, but it's a, it's a different phase where they, they have more of a level of understanding. So I, I think, you know, it's gotta be whatever you talk about, it's, it's developmentally appropriate for the child of that age for their personality. Um, and it's just, you know, it's less, it's like talking to your, your child about, uh, you know, sexuality or, or something like it's, it's not one talk that occurs at one time, the birds and the bees, it's an ongoing conversation. And, and, and for them, you know, now at 10 and 12, I mean, we still spend a lot of time with Nana and grandpa. And so they, they can see very much up close, you know, how, how's grandpa doing? And also, what does he need help with? And we've just tried to make it seamless and natural. Like, you know, man, if, if grandpa can't find where the door is or where to sit down for dinner or which plate is his, you know, guys, we just help him. Like, it's just, that's, that's what you do. Like we're, we're a team and we help each other. And, And I, yes, the loss is, is sad. And I continue to have, you know, moments of downtime of anxiety about future hypotheticals, all that kind of stuff. But I've really decided like, man, 90% of my, uh, energy and effort is the here and now, 
what is good now? What is the best thing now? Where is the happiness and the positivity and the love now today? Um, and, and that's, you know, mostly just through setting that example. That's, that's what the kids focus on as well. You know, we're, we're not in a place if all you do is constant comparison, you know, how does now compare to two years ago? How does now compare to last month or whatever, you know, the, the comparison you're drive yourself it, crazy. Yeah. You're going to drive yourself crazy. And it's probably not going to lead to happiness or contentment, but if you focus on where are we at now, what's, what's the good, where's the happiness? How can we connect with grandpa? What's going to be fun? What's going to be appropriate now? There's still a lot of goodness, you know, and we're, I mean, we, we have a, a book thing coming up in April in New York city. And, and, you know, now as of today, like, could my dad get on a plane on his own or travel to New York? I mean, no way in the world, but if my mom's there and I'm there and my wife and my kids, and we can, you know, hold his hand in the airport and support each other and, uh, you know, find a good balance of, you know, how much does grandpa kind of stay in the rental apartment? And maybe the, the kids are psyched for New York because they can go, I mean, they're not going to go explore on their own, but we're going to go do a lot of stuff. Some of that might be too much for grandpa, but to go up in front of a group of people and talk for, you know, a few minutes with me at his side and I can help him, you know, if he, if, if he can't find the words or whatever, that's fine. And that's all good. It's all now. Um, and that's something, again, back to what does dad keep teaching me? You know, I tell you what, with cognitive decline, Brian, I mean, you don't know what the hell is going to happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday or, you know, whatever. But what do you have here and now? So, well, let's let's make the most of it. What is the best thing right now? Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, that's life, right? The here yeah, and now, that's is. life. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's there's two days, I've heard it said, there are two days every year that you can't do anything about. And that's yesterday and tomorrow, right? Yeah. You can only do yep. what's what's happening today. So yeah. um, that's so good that you, that you have that and that you understand that. And especially that your kids understand that. Hey, what can we do now to help grandpa, you know, what yeah. can we do? Uh, and the fact that, that, that you've had these conversations and you're right, uh, you know, taught, you talked about it. You, these are conversations that you have to have constantly with them as, as he declines, uh, that that's going to have to be a natural part of existence for you guys now as a family. Um, that's so good. Uh, I want to ask you this when it comes to maybe the struggles with your kids have you have you witnessed any struggles that they've faced uh in in kind of going through this journey uh with their with their grandfather have you seen any struggles that you've had to help them through you know i i mean yes there there is the, you know the sadness or the or the questioning or or whatever but it also um you know, like you, you don't always share everything with kids, especially young children. I mean, I think back to, so when, when I was seven years old, my mom was going to die if she didn't get a liver transplant and she got one and it, and it saved her life. And at the time, did I know that, you know, the, the, the doctors, the medical team advised my parents, like, you might want to tell your kids that, you know, that Pam might die here in this operation. And, and I'm glad that my parents didn't listen to that advice because they, they took it in stride. The example that they set was, you know, okay, mom needs a new liver. She's going to be at the hospital for a couple of weeks and, you know, we'll, we'll do it. And, and the fact that they took it in stride and were able to, you know, uh, display that confidence, I, I think, you know, my sister and I, kind of took it in stride. So that's, that's what we're doing. And, and again, I don't think you don't hide emotions from your kids and you don't, you, you know, it's okay for them to know that something's hard for you or that you're struggling. That's, that's really important. But I think it's also just as important that they see like, Hey guys, we're, we're navigating this, you know, okay, well, whatever, you know, we're, we're all going to go walk downtown and get some sandwiches and, you know, grandpa's not going to know where the hell we are and he can't read the menu or whatever, but, but that's fine. Like you just do it, you know, and, and then it just, it becomes normal. And they also see like, okay, here's someone who has very significant limitations, but that doesn't mean they're not a person. That doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean they can't keep going and doing, you know, things together. We're, we're all, uh, you know, dad loves these, these races in Leadville, Colorado, you know, the hundred mile run, the, the hundred mile mountain bike, you know, all that kind of stuff. And 
like two years ago, dad and I did the the 50 mile run together or, or at least started it. We did most of it. We made it 32 miles and then we hit the time cutoff. And, and then, and then last year he and I did the half marathon together, which is a big challenge. You start at 10,000 feet, you run up to 13,000 feet, and then you come back down to Leadville. And, and that was a good fit at that time. And in this year, we're going to do the 10 K we're all signed up to, to do it together. And so the kids see that progression and they know that this, I mean, now, like they could, they could both run 10 K on a road in Leadville way faster than grandpa could, but, but that's fine. They know that, Hey, grandpa can still make it and we're going to do it together. So Mm. you just, you take it step by step. And, and also with cognitive decline, whether it's Alzheimer's or something else, I mean, we've all had to embrace uncertainty and a lack of control because you have no idea what's going to happen and when is it going to happen? Things could stay steady, for the next year or three years or five years, things could change pretty drastically in the next two months. You know, we don't know. You got to be open to it and you have to realize that, boy, we sure all like to be a lot in in control in life. And, you know, things like the pandemic teach us, well, life happens, you know, you got it. You got to deal with it and make the most of it when it, when it does happen. Yeah. Um, I think those conversations that we have with our kids are important. And I, and it reminds me of, um, you know, my wife, when she was uh, in her thirties, she experienced a heart attack and it was a, it was an instance where we were at the movies with some family members. Uh, My kids weren't there. It was just adults. It was like uh, six of us there. And we, my wife got sick. She started feeling ill and I could feel her hand. It was kind of, you know, clammy and, uh, she walked, she said, I have to get some air. So she walked out. Uh, I let her, I let her go. She walked out and she was gone for a little while. And I, and I went to go look for her and she was laying down on this bench out in the lobby. And wow. I, and I went, what are you doing? And she said, I can't sit up. I'm, if I sit up, I'm going to be really sick. I have to lay down. So we were going to call, uh, well, my sister-in-law called, uh, the, uh, management over, they called paramedics and they showed up and and they said, well, we're not quite sure what's going on, but we're gonna have to take you to the hospital. And my wife refused. She said, no, I'm, I'm actually feeling better. I'm good. Uh, we drove home and she said, I'm not feeling well again. And I said, okay, I'm taking you to the emergency room. That's it. We're going to the emergency yeah. room. Um, and she was in the emergency room and they, they said, uh, you know, we got to have somebody come in. We want to keep you overnight and have somebody come in uh, the, the next day to take a look at you. And um, it turns out she had had a mild heart attack. Wow. And, um, she had to have five stents put in and it was a scary time because she was, you know, in the hospital and they were getting ready to do the surgery. And I had to take my boys and sit down with them because they didn't understand what was going on. They were a lot younger at the time. And I had to sit down with them at lunch and just kind of talk to them about it and say, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. Uh, Everything's going to be okay. Your mom's going to be fine, but she has to have this procedure done in order to survive. Uh, plain and simple. She has to have this done. And my boys were upset, you know, crying, you know, sadness, all the emotions that you can experience in that time came over them. Uh, but we realized as a family that, Hey, our family unit is strong and now we have to be stronger for each other and for your mom. And my boys stepped up, man. They just, they came alive and just like, we will do what we have to do. And uh, so we were able to function through that. And it was those conversations that, you know, that was a tough conversation for me to sit down with them. I took them out to a restaurant and we sat down at lunch and I just had to, I had to talk to them about it. Um, So those are, those are important uh, conversations to have with your kids. If, you know, parents that are listening to this or watching, you know, if you're experiencing some sort of traumatic uh, experience or situation in your life, whether it's a family member or you yourself, um, it's okay to have those conversations with your kids because they're confused. They're confused. Yeah. They don't understand. And to have these conversations with them uh, in a loving way and yeah. at age appropriate, uh, age appropriate conversation uh, to where they can understand it uh, and reassurance is what they need. The fact that you guys uh, stepped up and your kids are recognizing that is a testament to the kind of dad that you are uh, and the kind of father that you had that raised the dad that you are. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, thanks, man. Thanks for yeah. sharing that story. That's, that's really powerful. Um, Thank you. And, and good job to you. And uh, yeah. And, and just for kids to know that, that whatever's going on, it's not their fault. Right. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes I think kids have a, 
a greater capacity for resilience and creativity and and even leadership you know than than we may give them credit for and sometimes you know when they're put in that role they they can rise you know Mm -hmm. absolutely um when we're talking about fathering now being a dad to your kids um what lessons did you take from your own parents uh that taught you you know how to be a dad so yeah. from, from, you know, being in the relationship that you had with your parents, you have a very close relationship with your mom and dad. Um, what, what parenting lessons did you learn from them? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you were saying that before, Brian, I thought, well, you know, I was lucky to learn from the best. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, they, they just, you know, my parents always made it very clear that, that family and, and the team come come first, you know, and, and I talked about, okay, dad was out, you know, he was, he was a lawyer, you know, he worked really hard. He was working hard at his athletics and racing and stuff, but, uh, you know, he still family came first and, and he was always there at all the, you know, games and, uh, school stuff and, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's less of often, uh, um, less of what our, our parents say to us and what do we say as parents and more just the, the example. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, keep showing up. Uh, it sounds like kind of a cliche, but that's, that's probably what it comes down to first and foremost. Um, and then this is a bit related, uh, but kind of different. I, I do want to mention Brian, for those, if there are any dads out there who have realized that they are now in in a family that's different than what they grew up in, that can be hard. And and what that means for me, so my parents were both very you know incredibly loving, still always are. When I was a kid, it, my parents had traditional roles. Dad went to work, mom did not go to work, and she did everything else, you know, all, all the, the logistics, the kids stuff, the driving, you know, everything. Um, and, and that, you know, again, here we are in the eighties, that was pretty typical. Um, my family now is much different in that my wife and I both work, we're both, uh, self-employed and, and have, you know, the, the joys of a flexible schedule, but also the demands of work never leaves. And, you know, it's kind of just always, always there. And, and again, we, we both, uh, we both work. And, and when our, uh, kids were young, um, just kind of because of the way things worked out, I was working from home with a more flexible schedule. And my wife was still working at a, you know, more traditional brick and mortar job, you know, leaving the house to go to work during the day. Um, that wasn't something, I I didn't have an example for that growing up. And I I just want to say it in case there's other dads out there who are in that situation, you know, either by choice or just kind of, you know, because it's how the, you know, how the dice rolled. Um it was both great for me and it was really hard for me because I often found myself, you know, at places with two little kids. Let's say, you know, I'm at the park, you know, whatever, uh, before the kids were in school or maybe when, you know, they're in preschool, kindergarten, you know, you, you got some time to kill before dinner and you go to the park. Well, you know, it was me and, and my kids and a whole bunch of other kids and a bunch of moms. Right. And, you know, these are great people and they're friends in the community and like, you know, we'd, we'd chat and, and stuff, but it's still, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm looking around like, geez, I'm the only dad here. And, and, um, that it was hard for me. And and I definitely had to do a lot of mental gymnastics of, you know, again, what is, what is my identity? How do I contribute as a father? Cause you, you know, again, the model I grew up in is, you know, not only is dad, he's the dad who comes to all your stuff, but like dad is the one earning money. And here we are in a different situation where, you know, both parents are, are earning money and, and navigating, you know, kind of this, this crazy balance and stuff. Um, so anyway, the, the point is, I don't know, I guess I'm just (laughs) throwing a, throwing a line out. If there's dads out there going through the same thing, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay for it to feel like a challenge and you can figure it out. You know, here I am, kids are 10 and 12. They're kind of at that tween stage now, you know, they're more, um, this stage for me has been a lot more seamless. Like, you know, the kids spend their time at school. I have more time to work and do my own thing as an athlete. And the time that we spend together, you know, as dad with kids, we're, we're doing stuff. We're skiing or biking or, you know, camping, whatever. And for me, that's been easier than, than, you know, uh, taking care of, of young kids at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same for us too. My wife, uh, 
you know, she's a school teacher still to this day. She's a school teacher. And, you know, we were fortunate enough where my boys and all my nieces and nephews went to the school that she teaches at mm. all the way up through junior high. So yeah. she was, she was always around our boys. And then I coached. And so I coached my boys from the age of four all the way up through high school. So mm. they would, they would, you know, be with mom during the day. And then in the evening time, they were typically with me because I was the coach of the teams that they were playing on. So yeah. um, we kind of had these, these shared roles in spending time with our kids. Um, you know, my wife being their teacher and then me being their coach. Uh, they are, we, my wife and I were just talking about this this morning. It's so funny because we were talking about how, our boys are fortunate enough to where they have really been around their mom and dad their entire lives. I mean, yeah. like all the yeah. time around them, whether it was at school or at yeah. sports. Um, sometimes, you know, that wasn't a good thing. Sometimes we had our moments, but, you know, for the most part, they they were always around us and they were fortunate enough for that. And there's not a lot of families today that have that ability. Yeah. And I try to encourage parents, you know, when you don't have the ability like I had, or like Travis had uh, with his kids, um, make the most of the moments that you do have because time mm. goes by, you know, yeah. my, my boys are 24 and 21 and I can remember like it was yesterday when they started high school. And now, you know, my yeah. son's out of college, my younger son's a junior in college. It's, it goes by so fast. So if you don't have the ability to, spend a lot of time with your kids because of work, because of other commitments. I understand that, but under also understand that when you are with your kids, be with your kids. Yeah. You had mentioned it, be present, right? So yeah. be present with your kids and make the most of it. Um, so good. So cool. We could, we could talk for probably another couple hours on just uh, <laughs> parenting and running yeah. Yeah. and races and all that stuff. What's, uh, what's the, uh, next race you guys have coming up you and your dad together? Yeah. Like I said, we're, we're signed up for, um, that, that 10 K in Leadville in, in August, Leadville 10 K it's part, part of that same Leadville race series. Um, you know, this weekend dad's actually doing a, uh, a 10 K snowshoe race in Leadville. Um, oh, I, wow. um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking my kids to, to a soccer camp in a different part of Colorado, but, uh, mom and, and dad are going to drive, drive up to Leadville and, uh, her brother, Eric lives there. So dad and, uh, and, and uncle E are going to do the 10 K snowshoe together. And, you know, and again, it'll be, it's a big challenge for him now. And, and he, you know, uncle E needs to be right with him for him to stay on the course and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm confident they can, they can do it, you know? 10, oh, cool. uh, 10k at 10,000 feet. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's cool. Um, so your book one mile at a time, uh, for those of you that are watching, uh, now this, this episode, uh, the book actually comes out in a couple of days. It will be March 14th is the release date of the book. Uh, where can people find the book? Um, uh, if they want to yeah. pick it up and, and, and read about your guys's journey. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, wherever books are sold. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of go to your indie bookstore and see if they have it or ask them to order it. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you might like audiobooks. Um, the audiobook is coming out uh, that same day. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. The uh, um, the production team did a really good job. I, I kind of added some, uh, you know, uh, some new commentary, if you will, in between the chapters, kind of looking, looking back and stuff. So you can check that out. That'll be on audible or, or another app called libro.fm, uh, that you can actually choose a, an indie bookstore beneficiary. So, um, yeah, wherever you get books, uh, and, and dad and I host a podcast as well. It's called the Travis Macy show. And, uh, I think the day after this podcast comes out, uh, we have a recording come out where uh, the editor of our book um, interviewed us uh, about the writing process and stuff. And uh, and th that was actually recorded last summer. You know, I, I tried to, um, in advance of the book coming out, dad and I have tried to record as much as we can, just because you, you don't know where things are going with Alzheimer's. But uh, I'm, I mean, I got to say he's... Uh, he's pumped to, to do, we, we have some in-store events at bookstores and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he's pumped to do those and, uh, he'll, he'll be there. So, yeah. Awesome. That's good. Um, it's cool that you guys are doing that together. These, these are memories that, that you're going to have forever. 
um, which are awesome. Your kids are going to have them forever, which are awesome. I had my dad on my show uh, nice. a while back uh, just because I wanted that memory with him. Uh, and he's, you know, he's 70 now. So, and he's, you know, he's still good. Everything's good with him. But uh, just to have that memory that my kids will now have forever to be able to go back and watch an episode of mine with, with me and their grandfather. Uh, so that's cool that you're doing that together with him. Uh, if my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you best place for them to do that uh they could start at travismacy.com slash books uh and you, you know you see our our bios and there's videos whatever stuff's linked on there but there's some previews to the book in in text and some excerpts from the audiobook and that kind of stuff so they awesome. can go there. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram at Travis Macy and uh, it's not really my thing, but it's kind of part of the business. So try to <laughs> try to keep that up as much as I can. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll make sure to put all those in the show notes, but uh, Travis, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing our friendship, brother. Uh, you know, I told you before we started recording that I'm going to be leaning on you for some, for some tips and suggestions on, on my running uh, that I'm doing. Uh, but I just appreciate you being on, taking the time. I'm excited for the book. I I, I pre-ordered the uh, audio version. I like audio books myself because I'm out I'm running all the time and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like to listen to books. So Me too. Uh, I'm excited for it to come out and uh, dive into it. So uh, thank you very much again for being on the show. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, Brian, thanks, man. It's been awesome to be here with you and with the audience. I, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm going to keep listening to to your podcast. And, uh, you know, as you say, the, the legacy starts in the home. I, I love mm -hmm. it. I love, I love your message and I love what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Listen, everybody, this has been an awesome conversation with Travis. If you guys want to pick up his book, you can pre-order it now, anywhere you can get your books, you can pre-order it now. You can go to Amazon. I saw it on Amazon. You can, you can do all that stuff, do it now, get the book. It's a, it's going to be an amazing story. It's going to share the experiences with his own dad and the race that they went through. I'm excited for this book to come out. Uh, looking forward to it. And obviously the audible, audible version is out there uh, on that same day, March 14th. So make sure you guys pre-order it. Go to travismacy.com. You can check out everything there. Make sure you guys listen to his podcast, but I'm really excited for you guys to hear, not only uh, listen to this episode, but also pick up that book. Um, so as always, if you have not subscribed yet to my show, please do so. So you don't miss any of the awesome guests that I have on each and every week. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Data. Wow. Another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing, don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at daduptribe.com or at my Instagram page at daduppodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.